0: Coming direct from the engine
1: room, it's two
0: danger men in your box, Dan and Johnny!
1: You're welcome along to episode 7 of L.O.I. Central Uh, and on today's show we have three players who are basically back in some shape or form. Johnny Dunleavy back in Donegal, back at Finn Harps, his old flatmate and old Cork City teammate Stephen Beatty back at Cork City and Dan Lafferty after an exit of around about 10 years back at Derry City uh, who were part of Pretty mad narrative of the week of the weekend, really, with so much going on as ever. We're with FutureTickling.ie and FutureTickling.ie ready to uh, help the government if we want to get any fans back at games uh, anytime soon. And hopefully, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel in that regard. You'll find us on SoundCloud. Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, all the usual thing. Don't don't be afraid to leave a review as well. And um, we hope you enjoy the show this week. Uh, Dan, there's only one place to start. Shamrock Rovers to Bohemians 1. Um, so much controversy here. Was it a penalty? Was it a red card? What did you make of it all?
2: Yeah, it probably is. Though I suppose We've had all the managerial stuff as well. But yeah, it, it is true. I mean, the Rovers' build-up was overshadowed by events elsewhere but then listen it was a good game it was really nice to watch a a decent game on a Friday pretty open I don't know if it would have been like that with a full house you know of fans Mm -hmm. I think there might be a different tension and different different circumstances at play but um yeah like really good game just a shame that it's sort of come back to a a referee and decision that you're debating at the end of it although for people who complain about VAR and and its influence in the Premier League and how the game has gone you, know, you can have a bit of old school controversy in the League of Ireland, you know, where you just have Paul McLaughlin making a decision once in real time. Um and I, I can see how he sort of felt it was a felt it was an offence, but uh, I still sort of feel for James Finerty um mm. that it was that it was quite harsh. Um but as Stephen Bradley pointed out as well, I think he didn't point this out specifically. He referenced, you know, in the past things have gone against him in that game. But I Think it was almost two years to the day since Paul Lockton had sent off two uh two Rovers players early in a derby game in Talla, which was a bit of a mad game. And unfortunately, like he was he was a part of the outcome of this one.
1: Yeah, um obviously that means that uh Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic um kind of staying up there at the top. Sligo Rovers lost a little bit of ground because they were beaten by Derry City. And uh yeah, the whole Rory higgins getting the Derry City job a bit of a mad day. I think um both of us were trying to suss out his WhatsApp activity. He, he went underground and it turned out he was actually given the day job and he left Ireland. This was a major, major development, you know, being exclusive with him on Saturday in the Indo.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's sort of, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a funny one, all right, you know, that you have this situation where, like, how, how quickly football can change. I mean, it was a very good job he had. With Ireland working closely with Stephen Kenny, and certainly when I spoke to him, you know he was very keen to to emphasise the strength of his relationship with Stephen Kenny and how grateful he is too. I mean, he's basically mm-hmm. been a mentor to to Rory Higgins, and um, you know, some people externally who sort of maybe don't follow the league were probably looking, oh, he's gone, and uh, Alan Kelly and Damien Duff, but you know, another coaching staff member gone, and not a, it's a blow to Kenny, but it's obviously very different. Like he, I, I don't know what. And what position you would put him? Say, say, he was number five in the Ireland setup, or whatever. Um, you know, and chance to, to start your managerial career with your with your local club, with a three and a half year deal. Um, it was it was too good to turn down. It's a great opportunity. I mean Murray Higgins wants to write his own story, um, as opposed to being a supporting actor to someone else's. And that's 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 what you have to do. Like you know, Stephen Kenny at times in his life has has met hard calls, and and you know met emotional phone calls to, to leave places that had been good to him and um, any manager probably has to do something similar at some stage and that's what Ray Higgins has to do and yeah I mean it was only after we recorded last week's show that everything sort of kicked off with Declan Devine going and then um, uh, well I suppose the dogs manager hunt was more so ongoing and then you had the speculation in Waterford around Sheedy and Newell and it all kind sort of came together in a sort of a hectic 24 to 48 hours there and yeah but by, by Saturday where Higgins is at home reflecting on his first match at Derry City manager, and we look forward to the future. And we'll, we'll hear Daniel Lafferty earlier on, who was was obviously who was obviously there for the week that was.
1: Any idea what happened at Dundalk? Got their first win of the season against Drogheda, uh, which was badly needed. Frustrating week for Drogheda, and um, obviously Jim McGilton took the interviews after the game.
2: No, I think I mean it's it's uh, the, the hunt is the managerial hunt is ongoing, so. We'll see, you know, like Jim has managed at a very good level, so it's probably no surprise <clears> that he's he's been able to, you know, put some kind of structure on the team. Although, you know, they were actually better in the first half than the second half against Strada. Now that could be a Strada thing as well, too. To be fair, you know, they, they 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 lifted their levels, and the dog obviously put in Zahibo. Um, he can only play 60 minutes. Maybe some of the other changes didn't have the desired effect, but. Yeah, I think Jimmy Jesus has spoken about it. Bill Holzheiser did an interview with James Rogers in the Argus um, in, the, in the in the last 24-48 sort of hours or so. Um, again, like you know, it's sort of it didn't, didn't necessarily address some some issues. Like, you know, did mention, I think it was mentioned the club might report a, a profit for 2020. Which, well, that's good news. Then you realize when they did qualify for the Europa League group stages in 2020, <laughs> if you don't record a profit. <laughs> the year you qualify for the Europa League group stages, but I think you wait for where you wait for. I think where I know sometimes there's delayed money and they will get some money, did you know later? I think a market share stuff, but I think particularly with COVID, I think they were quite keen to try and pay money um, quickly enough. So if you don't record a profit that year, you're never recording a profit. Um, mm. so so but so I mean, the, the situation on goes there, but I think what Bill Holtzheiser said. Um, was that he, the Jilton will report a short list to him and, and he'll tell him who he can't appoint. Um, uh, Alison might just be in a turn of phrase, much as Anthony, but I suppose he's, he's, he still has to have the ultimate power of approval over who's appointed. But if the can come from with a very, very good candidate, um, you, you would probably hope that would will be done. The Waterford one is, is obviously um, the other sort of tightly chaotic scenario. Um, and I suppose it's always been bubbling under the surface there, but you had this situation on on with Kevin Sheedy and Mike Newell not training, not taking training uh, on Thursday. The players were left out in the training pitch with the goalkeeping coach and the fitness coach because there was speculation around their future. Now, you know they certainly have described some local reports as baseless rumours. But in saying that, when when the management team don't take training two days before a game, um, you can understand where speculation comes from, and also. There was meant to be a meeting to discuss Brian Murphy's future, um, which which the management team didn't attend for whatever reason. So um, that remains an odd situation. But they did manage to win against Longford, which probably you know, takes the heat out of things a small out of situation a small bit, um, but but only a small bit. I would suggest.
1: Do you know what's interesting now? Just looking at the the managerial kind of setup in the league. Um, if you look at Stephen O'Donnell, and Rory Higgins would be they'd be very good friends. Tim Clancy would have been at Stephen O'Donnell's wedding, so the three of them would be would be buds. They know each other. Stephen Bradley, Dara Doyle, um, and these are all lads in their thirties. Dan, there's there's just this like a batch of young managers in the league. Rory Higgins obviously has it all to prove, but you know if you speak to people in the game, they would speak highly of him. Um, I just think it's going to be a really fascinating few years ahead when these lads are in the League of Ireland because they're young coaches trying to establish themselves. They have their own ideas about a game that's changing with every year um, and I I, I, I I have a feeling that we could have a good standard of League of Ireland in the next sort of year or two and I'm also not sure just watching Sean McRover's bows, obviously mentioned Keith Long as well, one of the top managers of the league, but I wasn't sure watching that game the Rovers were going to run away with the league around. I think it's going to be a fascinating season. I think Derry are going to probably climb the table a bit and i can see kind of Pats hanging around in the title race the way things are going
2: yeah' I don't think is the managers can only be as good as the resources they have as well too you know you can have a promising generation of managers but like mm. if you know if like i think there's some good young players in the league but there's a good chance a number of them will leave you know in the next mm. like 18 months so like we, we can only look ahead with a certain degree of confidence you know we'll see we'll see what happens post pandemic and if there's a crowd spike and, and, and you know an advertising boost and, and resources boost and maybe then but like that's the like the problem all the young managers face is that they're only ever going to be as good as the squad that they have in terms of um, and I mean
1: what players is he expecting out. to leave by the way
2: it must be look, it must be pointed out as well so before I come back to that you know like you still you still have someone like Liam Buckley at the other end of the scale like mm. you Albie and Ollie Horgan you know that you know you've had the, the sort of the veteran managers have had a, a great start to the season too so that's the other side of it well, young players, well, it's funny. I was looking at the, the game Robert's Bows on Friday night and I, I thought it was a good game. I think Liam Scales will, will have interest and I would expect Did
1: Ross Tierney join the list.
2: He'll go at some not yet, but I'm not I'm not saying no. The Gandhi Lions, I think he's one that will probably go at some stage. Um, let me think Dawson Devoy as maybe a slow start to the season but all his ability listen Tierney's yeah. doing well Tierney does well Tierney's great for like pressing and putting pressure on players and forcing mistakes and stuff like he's very you know he's very uh, proficient in that department um, but you know, you well, talk know about, just like, in
1: relation Dara, to you've got
2: Dara Burns and, and, and some yeah. of the more promising players and you've got players like Yaros who are on loan like you know I'm just saying that that like Things can look good, but obviously it can be cyclical. And then like Johnny Kenny, very good player, but he's going to have interest too as well. So like that's the, that's the cycle of the league. It's that you just hope that you can keep um, you keep churning them so that you lose a couple and you don't feel the impact. Like we'll talk with the lads later about Cork City and what an impact losing uh, Shawnee McGuire had on on them. And even Sham McGrovers, to almost come back to your point in a roundabout way, uh, losing. Jack Byrne Aramach, and Aaron McAniff, I think there's no doubt it has affected them. Um, and they are they're a slightly older team in certain departments now, and they're trying to just find their rhythm. And I think that they will, but it, and in, in a way, it's really impressive that they've managed to take probably, they've taken the maximum amount of points they could have almost from the games they've played, in the sense of relative to performance. Um, they could easily have taken two points or three points or four points from the last three games, and they've taken nine. And that's, uh, yeah. that's sort of ominous for everyone else. But, the, like, you know, there was a spell in the second half of the Bows game where they were second best, similarly against the Dock. Um, and I didn't see all of the opening game against Pats. But there has been, you know, I saw them against Toronto last week where they, they were firing blanks for a lot of time, but then they really stepped it up the last 10, 15. I guess what I'm saying is there's vulnerabilities there, but they haven't necessarily been exposed. And maybe that's the worrying thing for everyone else.
1: Well, just before we get to uh, John Delevy and uh, Stephen mm-hmm. just, just Shane Supple came to mind there because uh, for a couple of reasons. Shane Supple, mm-hmm. um, I was doing the game for Air back in the day when Bows were playing Derry at home, and I think Ross Tierney was um, a sub that night, and he was he was basically just they were doing a kick round at halftime, and I just asked Supple, "Who's your man?" And he said, "He's a kid from Ballymoon." really, really rate him, and I don't know if he'd even played for Bowles, and he made even his debut at that stage, um, and Tierney's performances, I, I've seen, I saw him against Longford, he was absolutely brilliant in the first half, you mentioned his pressing and all that, but a lot of quality as well, obviously scored yes. in the game, yeah. but the, the, the other player that Shane suffer would have mentioned a good bit was Danny Mandrew, Dan, um, and he said that he needed to up his game mentally for Bowles, that sometimes his press wasn't strong enough, and and so on and so forth. Danny Mandrew has made a great start for Shamrock Rovers, and I think it should be mentioned as well for him to be getting a header from a from a in a last minute set piece is not what you'd expect at all from him. But he's shown a lot of, um, I think he's shown maturity um, in the first sort of seven or eight games. He's been very influential, and um, he's he, he just looks like he's accepted responsibility. And as I said, um, as I said the other week, if Bradley is playing, Danny Mandrew, Dylan Watts, and Graham Burke on the pitch at the one time, um, going to be playing a lot of good football.
2: No, definitely. They're good to watch. And they probably don't have that maybe they don't necessarily have like a huge amount of attacking width at the moment, but that's because mm-hmm. like the pers- the personnel that they have are like all very good central attacking players. Um and like the wing backs just like taking a while maybe for Gannon to hit his stride and to today scales. I mean, scales is very talented, you know, but he's not say, like you know, he's not Ferrugia in terms of maybe the type of service you would provide, but he's still very good at it. Um but, but yeah, like like Mandrew certainly is, is considering he, he wasn't being picked by Bose because, you know, you, you could, listen, I think the end was nigh for his time at Bose, and he's clearly probably happier over his now. I think he's big mates with Liam Scales. Um, so you know, sort of wouldn't necessarily put them together as a, a matey partnership, but like they are. So mm. that's, like, that's, you know, he's, he's, so he's got a good mate there and, and he's obviously... Would you put us and, together
1: as a matey partnership not actually. Uh,
2: well, I mean, I don't know. Like Still similarly, anyway. depra- similarly depraved habits, you know, in certain ways. Yeah. So, like, you I mean, you know, don't have a great scope of uh, things that we would talk about really on WhatsApp. It's generally the same recurring themes again and again. So, maybe so. Like, there's there's probably there's probably people who have much more worldly conversations. But uh, you know, as as people people. You listen to this podcast probably know that by now don't they? But anyway, speaking of worldly conversations, I wonder what type of worldly conversations uh, the next two had when they were roommates at, at Cork. Uh we've got Johnny D'Levy and Stephen Beatty.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the big stories of the season it was like uh you couldn't couldn't keep a secret better in North Korea than your comeback JD, which was absolutely out of the blue. You were just named on the team sheet and there was a lot of double taking going around the country when you appeared for the game last week. Um, tell us tell us what happened. How did you keep it so quiet?
0: It was nearly as much out of the blue for me as it was for you, Johnny. Um I <laughs> know I suppose I had a I had an operation in December pretty much that would more or less allow me to exercise again, never mind play football. And um, luckily the operation went it went very, very well. Um and I was just kind of working away on my own, doing my own training. And I kinda I'd spoken to Ollie a couple of times and um you know, I came I came in and did a little bit of training with Harps and, I kind of just moved on and last week, maybe last Tuesday or something I just signed and we, we just said we'd, you know, keep it, we wouldn't make any big deal of it and look, whenever I was fit to be in the squad or whatever, I'd be ready and um, that kind of came a lot sooner than expected, you know.
1: Yeah, like I presume, you know, from your time in Sligo, which was um, an extension of kind of a stop-start career for the last few years, obviously with injury, I presume a lot of people had thought you were you know, coming towards the end of your career, maybe. And did you think that yourself, or or had you hopes of coming back? Like what happened last week?
0: Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, no. I'd say in November last year, probably I'd pretty much resigned myself to being finished. Um, I'd got a couple of bits of advice last year from surgeons that essentially said, "Look, um, it's not going to get any better from here." Like when I when I was playing games at Sligo, I think I only played two games from January to March, and after both, I couldn't really walk for about a week or so after. Like the pain was. The pain was excruciating so I, I pretty much decided that that was it um, and so the operation that I got was going to be or what I thought was going to be a pretty serious one in the sense that it would keep me out for a long time but would allow me to exercise better um, but as I say like it just went went way way better than expected and of uh, sure brought me to some park on Friday night.
1: Yeah and did you like was it almost a relief that kind of you didn't have that pressure of because you know haven't spoken to you over the last few years every time you've had probably a lot of false starts with the Gartan injury, but was this kind of like um, you know it, it was if you came back it was more so a bonus than something that you pinned your hopes on I suppose
0: yeah I think so I think every everything from here on is bonus territory for me really um, and it's just about you know there's no listen I'm just trying to get from week to week really from day to day and week to week and then play as many games as I can and. If, if I'm able to play a few happy days and, you know, if I can help the club in any way on or off the pitch, like that's, you know, that's what I want to do. So as I say, it's bonus territory for me.
2: I sort of feel like we're missing something, JD. You signed on Tuesday on the understanding <laughs> that you might, like you might be fit at some, you know, I fit some stage in the squad, but you played on Friday. So like, when did you get a phone call to say you were playing on Friday? Or when did the discussion take place to say, oh yeah, you're going to play against like the joint league leaders at 5.45 on Friday? Like that's, I mean, if a horse recovered that quickly, you know, you'd be suspicious about it. So, like, why, like, how did it all come about so quickly that you actually played on the Friday?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, on the Tuesday night, obviously the lads played up in Longford, and I think on the night two defenders came off injured. So my cousin sort of said to me, "Look, you're you're probably a little bit closer to the team now than you were than you were yesterday." But you know, I I still kind of you know kind of put it to the back of my mind. Did a bit of training on Thursday, and um, Ollie gave me a call on Friday and just said, "Look." Couple of lads are struggling. I just want to mark your card. You know, would you be ready? And um, we talked it through. And the rest, the rest is kind of history. You know.
2: So how was the body after? Like uh, I don't know. What did you play? All not the full ninety, but a, a, a fair chunk of it. I mean, how were you feeling? And then the because you see, so you hadn't played like a, a sort of a friendly or a behind closed doors game or anything like. This was your first. This is your first game as such, was it? So, I mean, how oh, yeah, the no, was your body feeling? That was my
0: first game in, in 13 months. Actually, coincidentally, my last game had been playing left-back against Impacts versus Lego as well. So, um, mm. no, I, I had no match practice at all. And, uh, like, in the warm-up and stuff, I, I wasn't feeling all that good. But actually, when I got into the game, I felt pretty comfortable. Um, was a little bit stiff at the weekend, but nothing that I wouldn't have been probably with too good knees, you know? So, um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, actually. It was good. Look, at the end of the day, though, it's not about do you know what I mean? It's not about sentiment or anything. It's about getting results, and we didn't do that, and that was the most important thing, really. But it is a mad one, though. I mean,
2: I was up at a Finn Harps shells game last year, and uh, like you know, I think you had like a was it? it might be a family funeral, actually, that was on like literally around the corner. Like you've probably you've probably hit defensive clearances that are longer than the distance from uh, <laughs> from you know from home to to to, to Finn Park, you know. So be playing there must be kind of cool in a way like it's it's i mean this is literally right on your doorstep you know and i I don't know did you ever think that chance was it was it too close to home sometimes i don't know like what what's your feelings towards playing for them
0: oh yeah look sure my uncles my uncles and my granny uh my granny owned a bar and restaurant and all just 200 yards from the ground and um she lived up there just right until the time that you were up last year when she passed away and um my uncles too, my uncles still live on the road and it's just, yeah, like I grew up as a fan. I was down there all the time watching playoff games, watching Hearts against Derry, everything. And um, I always kind of thought that one day I would love to play for them, but at the same time it is very close to home. Um, but I, I have to say, you no, know, I, I really, really enjoyed it, you know, when the phone was hopping on Friday night and uh, look, I just hope I can play as many games as I can this year. It was a lovely thing to do.
2: St- Stephen, it was funny when the, the, almost the two lads that are on today, it sort of feels like you've both gone home this season in a sort of a weird way, albeit uh, I'll, I'll you're sort of an adopted uh, Corkman at this stage. I mean, what's it been like for you? you you've it It is a sort of a homecoming in a sense, in a strange way.
1: I thought, you, I thought he was going to say, Dan, it's, it's like two lads that are kind of washed up at the end of their careers like the rest of us, but he just put a lot nicer, you know?
3: <laughs> I'm a few years older than Johnny DeLevy, so <laughs> I might be. Yeah, a of- you featured
1: in the four star pizza quiz, of course, in recent weeks. Who is the oldest outfield player in the first division? Which which must feel mad as well.
3: I was fuming, to be honest, you asked that question first off. And then, secondly, <laughs> I wasn't having me as the answer. I went through the whole team, everyone team I had Tuggy, I had everyone, and no, it was me, yeah. I was fuming. I was sick. <laughs> but, uh,. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it's, obviously it was great to come back and get the opportunity to come back and stuff and I had the vision of coming home and try and help the club every way I can and obviously you now, again, I've stopped started with injuries a bit like Johnny himself. We, we seemed to something in that apartment that we were living in. It was like <laughs> But uh, I just, I'm just pissed off at the moment that I can't contribute kind of every, every week and struggle with the hamstring a bit. But to it me, I just can do the opposite to Johnny. They made a big massive deal about coming back and, you know, I, I probably would have needed rather kinda of under the radar a bit myself, kind of build me fitness back up as coming off an injury as well. So now we have to kick on. Obviously, everyone's aware of the struggles at the moment and now it's up to myself and grow all the other players to get back in the pitch and, and contribute and try and lead the team wherever we can. But just on a different topic there, I don't give Johnny the credit he deserves Johnny Levy. I live with him the seen the drive and work ethic he has every day and it's no coincidence that he's getting back from these serious operations and stuff. So I don't mind saying to his face now that he's a credit to himself and great, great moment for me too. And I have actually got a text off Carl Shepard He said, "Watch down the league, don't run around. <laughs> I, I, thought he, I thought he was winding me up. I swear sure to God. So I was driving the car to go on Twitter. I was driving to watch the boys against three. I said, "Chops just on Twitter to see if it's true, and there he was. Yeah, so I was delighted to see him back, but it's great, and uh, you know, hopefully he can play a lot of games this year. Mm. Here's a roll. you that twenty after. <laughs> yeah. It's.
2: it's, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot in that. I mean, just, just maybe to just stick with Cork for a second and then we'll talk about generally. I mean, it is mad, like, to see Cork where they are in the league table at the moment. And I know it's the most obvious thing in the world to say. And as a player, you have to come out and say, you know, the right things about it. But it is, it's hard to get your head around in a way. I mean, what, like, what's the mood like around the place, like, at the moment? Because, I mean, it's, to be sort of down there in the first division, It's. It's. it is pretty shocking, you know, to see Cork in that position.
3: Oh, I fully agree with you. There's no sure hope in that. It is shocking, and um, and to be honest with you, when I came in, I in my head that we were going to be up there every game, winning games, and back. Maybe it was either false, false hope. I don't know. You know, that's just the way I am. I, I I aim high, but um, like you know, we can use the young players' excuse and all that, but we just haven't been good enough. Simple as that. We haven't been good enough in every game. You know, we we beat Cole first game of the season. It Probably could have been a draw, and then after that we. We haven't won a game and, you know, it's, I think Colin Healy is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I don't mind saying that in record. He, he's fantastic. The sessions, he's been on the tactical side and it's brilliant. and It's boiling down to the players and, you know, it's easy for me to say now, and, well I'm not in the pitch, so I'm useless at the moment as well. I'm not there to to help. Um, but it's, you know, even looking around, like, from three years ago, the downfall is just, it's astronomical, to be honest with you. It's, you're literally gone from the very high to the very low. I mean, we're pretty much really to the bottom now with the first division and you can't get any lower. So it's a shock for me. It's a shock for everyone around. Um, it's just very frustrating, to be honest with you. Like, I get frustrated talking about it because I didn't think I'd find myself in this position four or five games into the season. And, um, you know, I came back and looked, talked to different teams and stuff. And, you know, like, I, I really thought we'd make a good fist, but, but it's still early days. It's really early. You know, we can we can get out of the little rut we're in. You know, we've got a big rut, to be honest with, with the results. You just need to start picking up wins, simple um, and climb up the table. But even looking around, and you're, you know it's no disrespect to the first division, but like you look at your, is it's blown away or you're going up to Cabin Teeley on a rugby pitch and just you can't help but think on the bus on the way up when you're going up to a packed Oriel Park or you're going, you're playing like 7,000 fans on us Cross, you know, for a League Deciders and, and Cup semi finals. So it's definitely a transition, but it is what it is the moment and, and it's up to myself. and Someone that that is really really proud to be playing for Cork and always has been that up to myself and the only parents to get us out of it. Mm. Isn't it? it is
1: sh- something- isn't it shocking that? Sorry, Dan. Yeah, isn't it shocking that it can happen so quickly as well? You know, like the um, kind of if not downfall, their regression in recent times is something. But the one of Cork City is a completely different ballgame. Why would you put that down to, Stephen? I know that, um you know, there were various factors. Off the pitch was a little bit wobbly and it's, there's still issues with where the club is going, maybe. But how can a club that was so high, used to getting into Europe, used to being in cup finals, within a couple of years, effectively, be, you know, second last in the first division? It's
3: only a long way have. I don't know. I, I, like. I, even lads of the States are asking me, you know, because I was obviously following the games last year when they got relegated. They're like, what happened? And it's impossible to explain. Like, you know, whatever. I, I don't, genuinely don't know what went on behind the scenes between them years when we were at the top going through, as you said, playing games. We are one round away from Europa League proper, you know, where you're packing out turners crossed, but suddenly you're you're rooting in the first division. Now, obviously, and, you know, we're saying to the lads here, we can't live off what we've done in, in 2016 and 2017. You know, these lads are only realistically 15, 16, 17 when that happens. So, you know, you can't quit the game thinking you're expected to win games because you're Cork City. It's not that. You, you know, that was doing its part in the past. Where did it go wrong? Where did it start? I don't know. I don't know. But it just hurts that you're at, for me especially, on that, and Johnny will tell you, when the good times down in Cork, they're the best ever. Like, they're the best times you'll ever have in your career if you don't go on and play at a higher level in England. And... Um, you know, you walking down the street, everyone knows you. And now it's kind of, it's it's a full 360. Like you know, you're you're walking around, you're not walking around your gear. To be honest with you, because you know you're losing games. The first division, I'm really embarrassed for the club, I'm embarrassed for myself. You know, no matter what way you look at it, what you've done previously with the club, that's your reputation's on the line. You you could be remembered as a an average first division player that that finished second bottom in the league, or in the league, or bottom of the league, or third bottom of the league. So. Just annoying at the moment, and you know I don't know where it went wrong, but it's up to yourself and others to put it right and try and put a bit of pride back into.
2: It. JD what do you make of it? I mean, you were there, but you're now watching it from the outside, and um, you've been elsewhere in the league when when Cork were relegated and so on. Um, but to, what what have you made of it?
0: I sure, I suppose I'm only looking in from the outside, Dan. So similar to Beats really. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but of course, of course, it's sad to see from from where we came from, like. We had, you know, we had some of the best times that we'll ever have. I mean, you know, as Beach says, there's nowhere, there's nowhere like playing on the pack turners Cross or anything, or, you know, going up for League Deciders up in Oriel Park, and, you're, you know, there's players, there's fans, there's the buzz and everything. And, um, look, it's a massive club, and it's, it's a place where the club should not be at the end of the day. And um, I, I've no doubt that they will put it right, but it's, where it went wrong, I, I really couldn't tell you that. Mm. I,
2: it, it does seem like, I mean, it's, it's funny, like, Beats mentions he texts Carl Shepard, another member of that group. Like it seems like, you know, you know, lads more than anyone, you know, football can be transient. You move from club to club and you may not always keep in touch with people that you meet along the way. But it does seem within that cork group that you had like you did actually make some some sort of friendships and stuff. I mean, am I am I wrong? Like it does seem like that that it was one of those oh, no, dressing think- rooms that got on okay.
0: It was brilliant. It was a brilliant group. We used to come into training like I mean, some of the some of the slag and some of the banter was horrific. Like people, I mean, I won't even tell you what they call beach. Like it was horrendous. I wouldn't repeat. Oh, it. Go on. no, 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 no.
2: That's part of the conditions. What did they call them?
0: <laughs> but uh, I know, listen, like say, chef and badge and you notes know, and chops. Every, everyone, like it was just, it was a great group. It was a really tight group, and um, as I say, like some of the some of the times we had, some of the dressing rooms, the night out, everything, you know, it was it was a brilliant thing.
3: You could do your own podcast with some of them nights out, Dan. Jeez, it was. But, like, <laughs> I was playing in a dressing room like that again, honestly. It was like, and the standard of p- training just because the players we had, like, some weeks you're looking yeah. around and Barry McNamee, Sadler, are sitting on the bench, like, you know what I mean? You're thinking, Jesus Christ, we're pretty good here. But then, like, they're just great. Go on, go on, go on.
1: Do you know what I I was just saying there last year, I was kind of like, you know, I, Shamrock Rovers obviously won the league in a in a in a very abridged league, and like I do genuinely think that was a really really good Rovers team in the context of you know the good League of Ireland champions. But like maybe it's not not entirely remembered just how good Cork City were when they went on that twenty game winning one or whatever it was. Like when when um, and was at his best, like how good was that team? Because like it was like at that time they actually did have done measure as well.
3: Yeah, like that that team was, as I only mentioned Mac and me and Sadler, like that team was absolutely unbelievable. Like, um, You know, you went in, you didn't think, you went into games thinking how many we're going to win by. Genuinely, when we are on that run, it wasn't as if, right, we're going away to Pax and Richmond Park here, like, you know, sit in, hopefully get a point, maybe sneak one late. We were literally going into games thinking, geez, we could win this two or three now, and we did. But obviously you had Maguire, you had a three and Maguire, Shep, and Dooley, like, you know what I mean? frightening. I'd be just hitting a channel from fullback. Sean would run, get a beat your lab and score, and you get an assist. Like, I'm just trying to get the ball off my foot. Like, they're un- unbelievable <laughs> talents. Young <know>? players, <laughs> fair, but like it, that. It, like we had Kenny Brown in 2016. Like that cup final team. I only seen a picture of it the other day. Like that. That team was geez, just as good as the 17 team. But Caulfield, I think his biggest strength was he got players in that bought into the dressing room because the dressing mm. room. Was so- he, he'd meet, even though he was signing me, I met him like three or four times. We asked him, like, well, how's your man, Dad? What did they do? Your sisters, he gets to know your family, he gets to know everything about you. He knows he can do a bit in the pitch, but he really gets to know your character. And he fit that character into the place or the piece that were already in the dressing room. And he done it absolutely brilliantly. We rarely, if ever, have bad eggs that will come in from, from 2016 on. You know, lads have just bought into everything he'd done. And just like, you know, suddenly we're on a midseason break and I'm on Kenny Brown's back foot naked with a cowboy hack on around the place, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> was this down, was this down in Inchidoni or where is this or is this somewhere else? Like is this a, uh, That
3: was a that was a mid season break in poor school. We, we went for a few uh, quiet points and <laughs> first, a few quiet points later we'd get a, a bit of crack, but stuff like that. Like, you know, we look back now and the memories that we made it were just Frightening, like you know you couldn't repeat we tell stories and even though you'd send some young lads in the dressing room like this year and they think of will making them up like you know it's like yeah, but you've done your business on a Friday night you change your balls off during the week and you enjoy yourself on a Saturday and you're back out on Monday That's just how it was and obviously we're 21 points clear so I helped it out so,
2: so, so, so hang on so who was the loudest, loudest character in the dressing room then like if you went in on a Monday morning and it's been an eventful Saturday or something. Or I don't know what's happened. Like, who do you not want to hear from when you open the door? Like, who is the who is the voice that you hear
3: when you walk in?
0: Well, they probably didn't want to my... hear from me because I wouldn't be drinking. So I remember the whole yeah. night. Like, do you know?
3: <laughs> oh Jesus! Don't get me started. I, every every Sunday morning, he came in to me. Jesus, sir, I remember talking to her? I was like, Nah, I don't. Does she <laughs>
1: remember talking to you? <laughs>
3: Probably not either, Johnny. To be honest with you, but uh, Mark McNulty, we we massive characters. Nult is brilliant. He's still out oh, of the fourth. He, like, man, he yeah. bounces around the place like there'd never be a quiet room with him and around. But we had, you know, we had the likes of Griff, you know, Shep, Sad, Badge, and um, like all these these brilliant footballers, but big characters as well. You know what I mean? And I don't, to be honest, it's not how coffee a balance at all. Like, and it goes back to having the trade of just being able to fit the pieces together. And um, I was probably up there as well with the loud and kind of a bit mad in the head as well, but just everyone, everyone there, was no real, there was no real quiet lads or shy lads. It was a dressing room, it was sink or swim. If you're quiet, you're a batter. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, no, every, everyone kind of bought into it though, do you know what I mean? Like the crack was, there was nobody left out of it either. If you, you, you got it and you had to pick it and that was just the way it was, you know?
1: Just in terms of like the future, I, I know just while you're there, JD, you've spoken about um, Colin Healy with really glowing kind of regard for just the way you, you, the way you buy into him. And um, I know I know that you're not a court now, but you definitely would have a lot of faith in him as a manager going forward.
0: Ah, uh, listen, healers is Healy's brilliant. He, he knows the game inside out. Like, and he see, see as a player as well. He's, he is the best player that I ever played with anyway. He was unbelievable. Like I mean, after he retired, I remember the boys were doing a session down in Cork and he, he hadn't trained in about six months and he jumped in. And I mean, do you remember the piece today he jumped? He was like yeah, out wow, of yeah, this yeah. world, ridiculous. Like such a good player. But he, he kinda has that like he's got this like Roy Keane look about him, where if you give him a bad mm. pass and he gives you that look, it's you just you crumble. You just crumble on the spot. And I I I say he's the same as a manager. Um, from, from what I hear from Beats and from what I hear from the other lads, he's he's really excellent on the training pitch and you know and, and on match day. So um, I would have full faith in him. I, I have no doubt the club do as well.
1: I guess just he's on done that done, Beats, done he, done he, done he'd, he'd have now. to. Yeah. Go on. go on, go on. He'd have to like if, if say if Roy Keane had a failing as a manager that he wasn't able to kind of deal with the I suppose the failings of players that weren't at his level as a manager. Um, Healy's come into a, a dress room now where basically Cork are, are are gonna you know be fighting to get up into the playoff position this year. How is he going to be able to adjust to um a lot of young players that he's gonna have to put faith in um and is he's gonna just have a lot of have to have a lot of patience along the way, I guess.
3: Yeah, well the thing with healers is, is he knows Because he's the night days manager, he knows a lot of the lads, you know, and how to get out, what to get out of them and stuff and that. But like it is tough for him because he was such a good player and such a good trainer. And, like, training's just not the way it used to be, like, and it, it's just, like, I'd hammer something and someone got upset about it or, you know, like, we're young and you're trying to balance, like, you can't be hammering lads all the time with standards and, you know, every part. Like, when he was trained, like, Johnny would tell you, he was literally the best player in training every day. Every single day. I mean, okay. if he wasn't the best player, he'd be the second best player, but he'd be feeling, you know what I mean, that he wasn't – He's trying to implement them standards into our team at the moment, and you know, if you just don't have the quality at the moment, you don't have the quality, you know, simple as that. And um, look, we've a lot to work on. And um, but he's definitely, definitely the right man. I'm telling you, he's brilliant. Like what he, what I've learned already in the three or four months tactically is just, it's unbelievable. Honestly, the work on on the board with movement, where players should be, you know, some of the position work, like it's, I mean, it's to the T So like I, I'm loving working with him.
2: Tell us about your American experience, Stephen. You went over there for uh, a couple of seasons. Like, how was the? How was it?
3: Um, like, lifestyle is unbelievable. Obviously, the off the pitch stuff. And um, you know, you're in an apartment, gym, pool, so on, and steam room your apartment complex. You know, you're it's a fair cry for me and Johnny living together. i um, I tell you that. And <laughs> um, but like football wise, I was a bit disappointed with the football. The standard wise. Um, a lot of very young lads, technical lads. But for a lad my age, it was kind of a young person's league, you know. Not much ball, very athletic. But the problem with me was it was all astro, and the knees started catching up on me, and I had to get an operation in my knee at the end of my first year. I actually had a good year. I got into the team of the season. Uh, I was playing in the ten, kind of a free roll, and um, scored a couple of goals and that. And then the knee went at two games before the end of the season, so that kind of held me back a bit. And then. We got a new manager in there, Jesus. Um, the, got the on gaffer well with him, sacked. did you? Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. The gaffer got sacked uh, brilliant by very well. He won the MLS. He was very well-known coach in the States. He got sacked uh, five or six games before the end of the year. We finished out with a, with a interim, and then uh, this new fella came in in the off-season, and that was it. Sounds like he might did get on the nice? <laughs>
2: So well? this this is by the way, just for people, it's a Chattanooga Red Waves, where Red Wolves <laughs> Soccer Club. This I, is ten, really Tennessee. In Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Has so, he done so, enough so, to get
1: Sonia. the done job is a question. <laughs> so, yeah. people, no. so what what boys, what was it
2: about this manager then?
3: So was this Philippe on the boys summer camps? He was more qualified. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: so so who is this manager? What was his name, Stephen? Jimmy O'Bleda. Oh, he's still in position, I see, yeah. And what, what, was, it doing, this, what
3: well, was it about well, his style? What was it about the style? was his first job, professional job, um, you know, so I'll give him a bit of credit there. It's a learning experience. Um, but no, it was just the, the way he treated the players. Not so much me, I was his captain, but the younger lads, it was just a very, very bad environment for him to be in, you know, it was nearly borderline bullying the young lads, you know, so I had to stick up for them at some stage and he didn't like that, but it was just for me when I get into coaching. It was a massive learning year for me and how to deal with players and individuals and, and how to treat a team. So it was just again, it was another another great experience to be honest with you. Experience I didn't want at the time, but you know I knew as soon as he came in, talking to him two or three weeks in that I'd be finished there at the end of the year anyway, um, mm. and and it panned out like that.
2: JD, I spoke to you at one stage in the off season, and you weren't surprised that Beats came back to play for Cork which you know because it's, it's sort of a thing where like you know it is you already as we said already the adopted Cork man like you clearly love it down there but JD Was that a compliment or not? I don't think it was a compliment I think but I mean but well, JD you tell me you were you were sure he was going to go there why was that?
0: Well I just thought if Beats was going to come home I mean I've been speaking to Beats and he was sort of thinking about coming home or not coming home and he didn't know and I know he probably has aspirations in the future of coaching in America um, but if if he was going to come home, there was only one club I could see him going to anyway. You know what I mean? I could not see him anywhere else. Couldn't see him in another jersey. That's just what I was thinking. Um, why is that? Obviously, obviously, I turned out right as usual, Dan. You know.
2: But why is that? <laughs> like, why were you so convinced?
0: I don't know. He just sure he loved it down there, and uh, I think if he was going to come back and he was going to play for a team, and I suppose at the stage they were at as well, it was kind of a rebuilding job. So it was. It looked to me like a perfect fit, really, um, at the time, anyway. Yeah. Actually, I probably told i <laughs> probably. <I'm> prob-
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you. I listen. You, you said you loved the social media stuff when he signed. That was your <laughs> big thing. You were like, this is this is the the big fanfare. You were like, this is exactly what's going to happen. You know.
0: You predicted. A beast yeah. you're walking walking down the street there. He'd be signing autographs on a Wednesday. He loves
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> in-, in, the- in the full
1: kit so, so I can't so imagine JD... uh, Ollie Horgan being a, a big fan of the likes of you being around Valley Buffet signing autographs. What's it been like working under him and Hegarty?
0: Ah, yeah. No, to be honest with you, Johnny, it, it has actually been brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, Love the sessions. Sessions are really good, really tactical in that. Um, and it's just been—it's it's a case of me kind of managing my way through sessions, and he's been great to me in that sense as well. So you know, it, it's a—it's a good group, good bunch, and uh, I've really enjoyed it so far.
1: We had Adam Foley again, on lately, and. Sorry. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, we, we had Adam Foley on and it does seem like um, a very good wrestler but like good players to be fair to Harps. I know he lost against St. Pats but like what's the quality like?
0: Oh uh, yeah, the quality the quality there is very good. I think like it's a, it's a big squad as well. A lot of depth there. I mean, there's a few more boys that come back that say didn't play on Friday. There's Shane McElhinney, Ryan Connolly, Conor Barry. Um, you know, and they'll, they'll all add something to the team as well. So, look, Friday was disappointing. All right. um, We kind of, for the first bit in the game we were okay, we were pretty comfortable but when the goal went in after that we kind of huffed and puffed a little bit. Um, and we have a difficult week coming up now, three tough matches but uh, looking forward to looking forward to getting back out there on Friday night, hopefully.
2: What are you hoping to get from the rest of this season? I mean, as you said, it's bonus territory. Like, did you have a discussion with Ollie? Like, is, it, is there an understanding? Listen, you're not going to play every week, you know? I, I don't know where your body's at in terms of like, what what can you actually get from this season?
0: I suppose I, I don't know is the honest answer, Dan. I d I don't know how it's gonna go from how it's gonna go from week to week. Um and we haven't we haven't really discussed that in detail or any great depth or anything, but look, I'll just do my best to be to be able to play on a Friday as much as I can. Look, we'll probably have to manage it, you know, and, and manage expectations maybe for me. Like I, I wanna play all the time, you know, like I, I love playing, I wanna be out there, but at the same time that's not always gonna be possible and um at the end of the day, it's just about it's just about helping the lads get results on a Friday. If I can, if if it's the case of playing twenty minutes somewhere and it gets us a point, happy days. You know, anything that I can do to help out the club, really.
2: Uh, and Beats, where are you injury wise? What's your sort of uh, prognosis at the moment, or what's your scenario?
3: I was played two in a row. I, I a little tweak and a hammer at the start of the season. So I missed the cold game. Played two in the bounce, Trained all week and. Oh, I'm 32 and I overlapped Dylan McGlade, like you know better I'm not getting the ball anyway um, and I felt the hammer Oh, geez. and I felt the hammer uh, tighten up then I tried to get a warm-up against Shells last week and it was a no-go so I'm struggling a little bit with the hammer at the moment but it should only be a week or two.
1: Yeah, and just on Sligo JD your, your club from last season Um, obviously you're, you're still very friendly with a lot of the lads there they've been a fantastic start to the season. Yeah, brilliant
0: start. Uh, I think I think they signed very well. I think that's the thing in the offseason. They signed really, really well, signed some top players, like, you know, bringing in Greg Bulger from Sean McGrover, sure. He's got all the experience and all the medals you could possibly want. And I'm sure he's a driving force in his restroom. So um yeah, no, they're they're a good side. They're gonna to be tough. They're gonna to be hard to beat this year. If they can avoid injuries, you know, probably that'll be the key thing themselves in St. Paso. I was talking actually to Carl Shepherd about this um if they can avoid injuries probably in, in key areas you know, they, they could give Shamrock Rovers something to think about. Is is there a tiger race, you think? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think Shamrock Grovers will probably will probably win the league, but as I say, if if the if, the, if those two teams and you know maybe I, I don't know who I don't know who else could come out of the pack behind them, but if those two teams can avoid mm-hmm. injuries, you know, they could be there thereabouts.
1: Lads, thanks a million for your time. It's been um, it's been really wonderful seeing both your faces again. It brought back some great memories of Cork City and so forth. It's been a long long time ago now. You're still looking relatively fresh, um, and we should keep in touch, please, God. Cheers, yeah, Dan. You you so you're my now, right?
3: tell your mate,
1: Dan, it's <laughs> <as well>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. It is strange, Dan. Like it must feel like just. That you come back, um, and in Beatty's situation, you know, he's come back and he is, as you've referenced in the, the, the pizza draw, he's come back as kind of a veteran, the the, the old lad of the dressing room. Um, and it's challenging, I would imagine, to come back to a situation where the team is grossly inferior. And also, you know, your own kind of veteran status is kind of, I suppose, in your face.
2: Yeah, no, and I, we were off the ball last week with David Myler, and obviously he's living in England, he's there years now, he's certainly not necessarily in touch with the League of Ireland, but just in passing, like he keeps an eye on Cork and Cove. I think for a lot of people who've sort of, um, you know, if you'd, if you'd... What was that movie, was it Forever Young, where M- Mel Gibson was like... Quite song by for-
3: Alphaville as well.
2: Well, you, I've, I've heard you belt that out at a house party in your time, but um the, the, the Mel Gibson, I think, was cryogenically frozen um for a, a number of years. If for some reason you'd been cry- cryogenically frozen... Um, even at the end of 2018, or, you know, mm. certainly the end of 2017, and you came back now and you saw Cork, what he was wearing the table? Uh, you, you sort of assume there would have been a, a shell style demotion thing. Now, I know they've had their issues, but I mean, ultimately, they've been they've gone down there on merit and they remain there on merit, which is pretty hard to take for people. But anyway, um, we shall move on.
1: We should move on. And one man who has moved on and moved back is uh, Daniel Lafferty, uh, who is our guest now. And he's uh, obviously part of the Derry City revolution. And before we came on air, Daniel, uh, I actually was only watching the the, the famous Derry City documentary last night. And um, obviously as a Galway man, I wouldn't be quite as emotionally attached as you, but um, it's, it's hard even for the likes of me not to be getting emotional
4: looking at a documentary like that. You must be delighted to be back in the club. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I watched it myself as it was quite an emotional watch, you know, kind of seeing how the club was back then and the, and the support that the club had. It was amazing. Um, you know, it was, it was really good. I thought it was really well put together. Um, some really interesting stories and that in there. Like you see about Mark McGuinness dropping a, a suspected bomb device down, down a, a manhole or something like on the day of the European game. And stuff like so. It was really, it was really a good watching. I really enjoyed it myself.
2: Yeah, we should say to people that the documentary is called Different League, and I think it might be available on YouTube now as well. If people have missed it, but I think Daniel, like the, the one thing, and I, myself and Johnny are both around the same age, and, and you'd be younger. But I think I think when we grew up and started going to games, you'd maybe get the tail end of the the tail end of that. But you'd hear the stories of the '80s. The dairy, like the fan base for games, was amazing. Like nineteen thousand people going to an away game in Cork you can't get your head around it. But it always, to me, strikes me that there's always that great potential in Derry if the team is successful to take off that a lot of people are sort of interested in the team even if they don't necessarily all go, if you know what I mean. Like, is that something growing up that you've sensed there that there is great potential if the club could just get things right that it could really take off?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, it's, like you said, I think it's got, the club has a huge reputational kind of value and. In- in the in the country, you know, like I say, everyone everyone would kind of speak about it and say that it is a big club. That's a huge club. Obviously, it comes from a uh, a big city, and that um, and like uh, the guy, the like I remember back to whenever they lost out on the last day of the season against Cork. I think they lost down in Turner's Cross. Yeah, or I remember I like that. There, that um, like the whole town, the whole city, just kind of really got behind the behind the club. Then, like you know, so I think. Like you say, whenever they kind of can get it right and things start, uh, things start going well, then the fans definitely will come back because the fan base is here. Like you know, like it's just they kind of kind of show up when they uh, when the sun's shining and stuff. Sometimes you know, but um, mm. like you said, if, if they can kind of if they can kind of start to be successful again, we definitely believe up here that um, the fans will start coming back again, like in their numbers.
2: Mm. from your perspective and the winter was just was, was it just good to get home I mean you'd been away for a while you'd been in England then you came and you had some great times at Shamrock Rovers a short spell but a successful spell you got a couple of big goals and, and involved in some big moments but was it just a case of you know I, I want to get back home was that like a big factor in, in your decision
4: uh, yeah yes and no like I wouldn't necessarily say that all this, I want to just come back now and settle down and, and mm-hmm. love it Peter out and making a- Career years and that, like you know, obviously I've always wanted to come home. You know, like I say, I spent a lot of time away and in, in England, and then even the last you kind know, of sixteen, eighteen months in Dublin. You know, still uh, quite a commute and stuff. Um, but like I say, I like I wanted to come, kind of come here and try to be a part of something. Like you know, like part of um obviously now Rory Higgins just came in, like and he's seen in the media that he's speaking about, you know, going on this journey and. Um, and hopefully that that will that, be the case you know. so hopefully go along and come along on that kind of journey and be a part of it and hopefully you know get some success and get like you say he's I know he's speaking about kind of getting Derry City back to competing at the top level um, in Irish football and that so obviously that would be very enjoyable so I think like, things like that was kind of more my mindset in terms of it, like it wasn't just a kind of kind of flip-flops on here now and go back up home and and see it, whatever it may be you know it's it was definitely to come here and try to improve the club and um you know obviously I had quite fond times there back in kind of 2010 2011 that uh, I made some success and I made a strong and um quite a strong team back then so um it was kind of more that that's what I was kind of thinking towards if we can get to get be a part of something there and go and then uh try and try and improve the team
1: yeah, there's been a, a bit of a theme of the show today um, of lads coming back. So you were, you know, the guts of the decade out of the game. What did you come back to? And, like, how different, I suppose, were you as a person after such a long career in
4: England? Uh, I came back to a new stadium, anyway. It was it was I was obviously the old ground. Yeah. whenever I was last there, you know, so the artificial surface is the, the first thing. Um, but, you know, I, I came back, I, I wasn't any less hungry or uh, had any less desire than I did to have when I was there first time around, you know, if, if anything, arguably more, um, you know, like I say, I wanted to come up here and, and try and be a part of something. Obviously back then, I think it was only 21, 22, it was kind of just go and enjoy it and play, you know, but now you think a bit more about the game and think about what you want to kind of be involved in. So um, things like have got to changed. but I think... Um, Obviously, there's not there wasn't there's not one player that's still there from whenever I was there last time. Well, no, actually apart from the manager. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of it has all kind of changed. How would you reflect on your career in England? Uh, fondly, very fondly. Uh, I think now, I think I think it was I was very fortunate in the terms of, like I went, I was at the right clubs at the right time. Like I was quite lucky. Mm. Like um, I was at the right. I, I always it seems like when I think back like. I was kind of like, when I arrived at Burnley, they were kind of middle, middle of the championship, no real aspirations kind of team. And then Sean Dykes came in and then they went on a journey. So you kind of went on that, you know, um, two promotions to the Premier League and and things like that. So we were quite lucky that being at that club at that time and then to move on then from that to the Sheffield United, the time, they were floating around League One, couldn't get out. Chris Wilder came in and then the, obviously that that um that journey that they went on, obviously up to the Premier League as well. So to be a part of them, I was I, I would always look back and say I was quite fortunate that I, that I kind of turned up at the at the right clubs at the right time, and that's why I would kind of say yeah, it was very fond, very fond memories of it. Like were these like uh, were these you know you're
1: mentioning some big names there? The, the job Dice has done has been unbelievable. Did you, did you recognize at that time? had forty odd
4: appearances on Wikipedia that he was that good? Ah. Uh, no, because I think I think it, 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 I think it, it, before he it came to Burnley, he only had maybe a wee interim kind of spell at Watford, I think, um, before he actually got the job. Um, and it could have went in a way. Like he didn't, it was Eddie Howe that brought me to the club uh, and then he obviously moved on to Bournemouth. Um, so it could have went in a way, but you could kind of see he came in there and he just tidied the whole place up, like all the household kind of stuff. And he kind of came in with a real kind of strict mindset in terms of this is how we are going to play this is what we are this is the ethos of the club this is um, this is how things are going to be from now on and I think everyone everyone all the players and all just kind of bought into it and that's kind of where they built their success from like you said they, like they had that kind of these are our mantras these, these are how we play every game this, this is a minimum uh, and then that's just kind of how they got the results and then like you say, everyone bought into it, and it just kind of propels from there.
2: I was Sheffield United, similar in terms of Chris Wilder and how he managed to instigate that improvement there.
4: Yeah, it's, it's like the, quite different personalities in that. Like you know, your mm. styles of uh, styles of football. Like Chris Wilder, would, it could be you could be it could be a very important game, and it could be two two in ten minutes ago. Chris Wilder were on two strikers, you know, and because he just he would he'd rather won he'd rather go out trying to win the match than you know. Let us see it out, and they'd be happy with a point. They'd rather almost, um, would rather go for it, and that like so. There's a kind of mindsets as managers probably slightly different in that sense, but yeah, I think it was just like I say, it was fortunate. Like we had a good group, of good group, uh, lads at Sheffield United, um, no, no big egos or nothing like that, and it was just a really enjoyable dressing to be in. Probably the most enjoyable dressing, I'd have to say. Um, you know. Um, everyone kind of bought on to, and it was just enjoyable like, and we played obviously a really attractive brand of football that um, everyone admired and stuff so um, and like you said we don't we accumulated 100 points that season and we've done like, from, like a 19 game unbeaten run and a 15 game unbeaten run or something like that so obviously it was very enjoyable going into every game and one of obviously was obviously, obviously mm-hmm. yeah, quite fun
2: so then your, your brief spot at Shamrock Rovers, I mean, how, how was that? I mean, I suppose, like, yeah, as you mentioned, it was sort of, what, 18 months, you got some big games in there, you had a pandemic in there, you know, you had a, a league win in front of no fans, unfortunately, you know, which might be a different memory, but you still had some big days in, in the midst of all of that.
4: Yeah. Um, and again, I would kind of say I was lucky in that sense too, like going to, the, by the time I we went to Rovers, they were stalled, kind of, they were just kind of on that upward trend. Um, like you said, they they won the FA Cup at the end of that season that I just joined, and then uh, to follow it up with the league one um, was uh, was obviously really enjoyable to be a part of. Um, so that's I, uh, I know I can kind of I keep saying like I was kind of fortunate. that There was the right clubs at the right time, and that's kind of it almost seems like that's followed me throughout my career, um, yeah. even up to, even in Ireland. So hopefully that can continue up here now as well in the northwest.
2: Yeah. So so last week then I mean. Listen, anyone we talked to in this show, like footballers, they know the game. Things can happen very quickly and things can change very quickly. So you start one week with Declan Devine in charge and, and you end it with Rory Higgins walking in the door and Raf Katara walking in the door. I mean, what's your reaction? Like you mentioned, it's a former teammate coming in the door as your manager. I mean, what, what's the, what, what was it like for you in terms of seeing that change?
4: Yeah, uh, it was it's never... like, like Everyone says it's not easy. It's it's never nice to see someone lose a job like obviously Declan brought me to the club and obviously worked on their Declan a number of years ago when I was here first time round. Um, uh, it, it, to be honest, even though we were sitting kind of we hadn't had a win and things like that, we still came as a kind of a shock to myself personally. Like you know, um, felt like performances were going in the right direction, but we just couldn't get the win and then straight like Rory obviously comes in then on um on the Thursday before before the game, no, Friday was it, it came in uh, before the game on Sligo. Um, and then how strange football is, you go out and you get three points, uh, even though he's only been there one day. But it, it was, it was. I wouldn't say it was strange, you know, it just had to be professional. Like obviously, always, even after I left there yesterday, I said always had a personal relationship with Rory. You know, we were keeping contacts uh, wherever, wherever it was and stuff. And he would always... um. Uh, see how I was doing, and quite um, quite keen. They always showed a keen interest in, in uh, in whatever was happening. So, but then obviously now, he's, to find out he's he's became your manager, you have to kind of like separate the kind of the personal relationship and the professional mm. relationship now, and just kind of kind of get on with it because that's what was He's gonna he's manager of a squad of twenty lads. It's not just because oh you you played with this, you played with Danny, and um, and you know each other. It's that kind of goes out the window in a sense, yeah.
1: And and, and on that uh, note, he, he didn't start against Sligo, like so. You got off to a great ah. start to a relationship,
4: <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and I've had a good chat about it then, actually. Um, we had a good chat on Saturday regarding it. I know I wasn't, I know I thought, oh, happy days, managers on here. And I, I, is my own up on playing every game, and then first game that nah, makes a point. Nah, um, to be honest, I, this I, I was like to say, I was even this season I was kinda we were chopping and changing formations and I was kinda playing in positions that I wouldn't normally play in. Like playing like four, two, three, one and I'm playing left on the high of a three and stuff. I'm going I could do a job there, but I'm just not probably where I'm what I'm best at. I would see myself more, like the best times in my career probably and the successes had it kind of left back or left wing back as such. Um so to play that highlight, it was kinda uh, wasn't wasn't seeing the best of me, so obviously the back four that were in place deserved to kind of stay in place, you know. And then, but nonetheless, we had the three points anyway. And that got us off and off and running.
1: Yeah, you're not probably unlike Inder Stevens in the Stevens, your your former obviously colleague in the sense of is is he a similar player to the way you play?
4: Yeah, in a sense, yes. In a sense, yes. Yeah, we've um obviously know they quite well enough and. Uh, from the U days and stuff, I suppose you could kind of say that. That's that's that's, that's not from, I wouldn't sit and say, oh no, we're definitely, we're definitely quite the same players, but we've still kind of, we've both, we were both started as left backs and then we've kind of, depending on what club we were at, we've kind of, like with U, we've had him then become left wing backs and stuff and then he's doing the same with uh, the, with, uh, with the Erden squad at times and that was myself last year at Rovers and stuff just because of that side the team plays. So, yeah, I'd say we're, Similar enough, I suppose, but he's uh, he's got a lot more Premier League appearances than I do. Yeah, well, you you haven't done
1: too badly, but just uh, just getting back to Terry, there is a lot of quality in that team, and um, it, it probably wasn't even a major surprise to people that you went up to Sligo because of the quality. And like, what's what's
4: the ambition do you think of the
1: manager? I know he's he's only been in a wet week, but like he's obviously still a bit of confidence already.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, like I say, it was um. It, Quite a young squad, like you say. But I think, uh, well, actually, you no, know, I do bring up. Well, apart from Mark McChrystal, I'm still saying Mark McChrystal's the oldest, um, so I'm clinging on to that. But like, it is a relatively young squad, you know. Um, quite an experienced stuff. Um, but like, from speaking to the manager and 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 the meetings we've had as a group and all that, like, he's obviously very ambitious. Uh, and that, like you say, he's came out and said that he wants to kind of take Derry City back to competing at the top level of Ireland and you know um, he obviously knows Stephen Kenny uh, very well and work with him a lot Like so um, both of them have a, have a really good idea of uh, how good the club can be whenever things are going well and I think that's what he's kind of trying to obviously install now and like you know we won there on Saturday so now we're going to Bohemians on Friday and, Try to, try to back that result up you know um, and that's really it like kind of it's on a, a good bit of belief and a good bit of confidence now in the boys and hopefully we can kind of carry that on
2: I think the one thing about Derry certainly you can say like, <clears throat> as a region it, it has produced serious players like you know I'm trying to think your age you'd probably be similar enough age to James McLean right you would have come through around a similar time and then yeah. and then you'd have slightly younger but you've got Patrick McElhenney, and you've got Michael Duffy. And again, the team here is we're talking about good players from Derry who last year were playing elsewhere in the league. I mean, Aaron McEnough, another one as well, has now gone obviously across the water. Now you've come home, but obviously one of, I think one of the frustrations for people in Derry speaking to them is that they have a lot of good players, but they've been elsewhere in the league. You know, and that's obviously part of the, I'm not saying to, you know, I'm not asking to put your agent hat on here and try and get everyone to come back there. But obviously it's <laughs> a fact. It's a fact that if all the players... Uh, you are, Dan, in fairness. Well, if all, but I'm sure that's what... Listen, I'm sure that's what Rory Higgins will be doing eventually, let's be honest. Like, if all the players from Derry uh, in the league were playing in Derry, they would have been pretty competitive over the last couple of seasons. I think that's supposed to be a fair enough comment.
4: Yeah, no, that, no, I agree with what you're saying. Like I said, there's a lot of fans up here and things like that and you see it on the media regarding getting the local players back and stuff and, like, you you, you watched Dundalk over the last number of years where, where uh, Patrick and... And Mickey have I've um, been doing brilliant, and then like you say, Aaron, who left to go to Rovers, and now he's now at Hearts. Um, so like I say, and then of the James a little bit different. He's a bit of a different yeah, level, of that, you know. Yeah. But then we even had like like so like Steve McLaughlin, which is like, like you said, it's always produced players have kind of went on and played played elsewhere. Like it's always kind of been a kind of a selling club or a club that a stepping stone club in a sense, like you know. So. I know, like it's easier said than done. Than to say I'll oh, get all the local lads back, you know, with um, there's obviously a lot of financial restraints on it and things mm-hmm. like this. Um, listen, don't get me wrong, me being a local lad, I'd love to see them all back, you know. and um, love to, you know, really strengthen, strengthen Derry City and for us to be really competitive. But like you say, I think if you had, if you put all them boys back in the in in the squad right now, you kind of would say, um, you kind of would say yeah, the, the, the team would definitely be uh, competitive. Yeah,
1: that's, that's putting him miley. And just, I, I guess, before we wrap up, watching the uh, watching the aforementioned documentary, like, you'd be dying for the Brandywell to get fans back in. Derry's position in Northern Ireland, obviously, gives it maybe a slight advantage in some respects. Things are happening quicker there. But, like, you you must be
4: looking forward to that getting a, a full crowd back there. Oh, 100%. I think that's going to... I think it well I kind of almost want to say that it's kinda of affected Derry more so than others. I know that's that's there's no real truth in that, but I think just the fact it's kinda of, it's so far out of the way, it's kinda of gotta be what almost like kind of cult following like, you know, that um you know, teams from down Dublin don't really like making that three-hour drive up here to us and that like you know, and coming in with them when the Brandabell's rocking <clears throat> there's um there's nowhere better in my opinion, was in the league. Um, so, like I say, it's been it's been it's been wildly missed you know, in the last you kind know, of what is it over a year now. So, um, listen, it's the same for everybody, like, you know. We've it's not really an excuse, but yeah, the sooner they're back, in the better, anyway. Yeah, how 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 far can you go this season? Do you think? You put me on the spot there, jeez ah, I don't even know mm. to be honest. It, it could it could be anything, you know. Like I said, on the short term, we're looking to pick Up another few results, you know. Look at the table there, it's it doesn't look great as it, as it stands. You know, there's only what seven games or eight games played so far. Um, but um, we're definitely looking to go now and um, and put a few ones together. And like I said, all of a sudden, like, like we go if we go and we get a result against Bohemians on Friday, then we you know, we, we leapfrog them, so that's how quickly it can kind of change. Um, so it's like Lafferty not ruling out dairy tidal tales. <laughs> 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 uh not act well hopefully, you know when I mean, like hopefully we can start putting things together and putting some ones together back to back, like, some and you never know. You can go on a run, you could you don't know what could happen, like um with a few ones and a few and a bit of belief there. Like you've seen yourself with Sligo were unbeaten before Saturday, sitting almost joint top with the table there, like so. Um, it's quite it's quite possible you can go on one a couple back-to-back and or go on a good old young beaten run but tile challengers who knows <laughs> next, <laughs> next, next, year, next, next year once we get all locals yeah. back
2: <laughs> yeah well listen Daniel it's been great having you on really appreciate your time today and yeah we look forward to speaking to you again cheers
4: great thanks for having me
1: yeah, can you imagine, Dan, an episode of like Derry Lads, which uh would be Derry Girls but obviously instead with Lads? And by Lads, I mean Daniel Lafferty. <laughs> you sound like, you, e. said,
2: like <laughs> you sound like uh, Alan Partridge pitching a, yeah, a guy, by Lads mo- I mo- mean. Monkey Tennis Monkey Tennis. Yeah. Um, uh, d- d- so Derry uh, Lads is like Derry Girls with Lads, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, with like, Lads, oh,
1: okay. as, as Daniel as Daniel uh, was saying, um before we went on air is like you can just imagine the lads walking across the bridge together in kind of a reservoir downside situation but you can add in Mickey Duffy and Patrick McElhinney next season which a lot of people expect might happen and not clear internet that in here but um, it'll be a hell of a it'll be a hell of a documentary actually
2: yeah well I man they have a lot of dairy lads there as it is like the local lads do. playing, or the Donegal lads you know because they're not all Derry they're, they're more sort of regional in some cases you know some of those lads but um yeah, no no, it's it would be interesting if they could get them all back. But I mean, money talks, you know. I mean, if they don't qualify for Europe, um, you know, you're you are relying on on Philip O'Dherty to dig it dig deep to, to get these players back, you know. And um you, you know, you hear what's on offer elsewhere financially and and, and you know I, it's, 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 it's very far down the road to preempt what might happen but it'll be hard for Jerry to compete, you know and even there were times where the value of Sterling would have been in their favour and, 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 you know, it's not necessarily the case at the moment and there's, there's just other issues that you have to throw into the mix that, that, that complicate things but anyway, our four-star pizza question, Johnny, for people who've um, Yes. Who've with us, we did not, it was not won last week by uh, uh, someone in your address book or a Galway mascot which I think is, is good news. Um, this week's question is um, so it was pointed out during the week by someone to make me feel old the 26 year anniversary during the week of um, the last day of the season in 1995 which was like uh, an epic league title race where Derry City and their massive fan base went at loan and didn't yeah. win um, and then you had Shelburne um, playing St. Pat's and then you had uh, Dundalk uh, playing I think it was Galway night the last day of the season I should not remember I was there and the dog were almost at like the third favourites going into the last day of the season. And yet they won the league, which was sort of a, a remarkable story in a way. Because um, it was Dermot Keeley's side, there'd been financial issues during the year. The one thing I remember about the, uh, the, the, that particular game, it was a, a brutal crowd there on a Sunday afternoon. People just didn't think that the dog were going to win the league. Um, and I, I think there was probably apathy and a lot of factors in that and, and the club. You know, I mean, they'd get more than that for a regular game now, you know, and even if things aren't necessarily going terrifically well at the moment. But anyway, um, which current League of Ireland manager, which current League of Ireland Premier division manager was in that Dundalk squad that won the league in 94, 95? It should be an easy question. Maybe some younger people might need to look it up. Um, We're not encouraging cheating. or Maybe we are. But uh, I mean, obviously, you know, if you remember it off the top of your head, even better. Um, But yeah, if you could send us your answer to at LOI Central pod or hashtag LOI Central uh, the question again is for a free four-star pizza which current League of Ireland manager was a member of the Lundalk title winning squad in 94-95 do we have this week's fixtures, Danny? Yeah,
1: yeah we man? do and um, you, you mentioned Dermot Keeley there just before we wrap up Dermot Keeley coming off the pitch um, when he was part of the Shamrock Rovers team who played that first game back which was a one-all draw and um Obviously featured in uh, the documentary, it was just it was striking on oh, a different league, documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just striking to see Darren McKeely coming off the pitch, and like he, he kind of you know obviously a warrior on the pitch, but he was you could tell he was full of enthusiasm for like the day and Derry City back and just what it was like even as a visitor that day. But the the, the Jim McLaughlin um, piece at the end, where he was looking back uh, at, at at the game against Benfica as well, it was just a, it was just a beautiful, beautiful documentary then.
2: That's very poignant, yeah, and um, yeah. Like I, I think, as I said, most people probably would have watched it last week, but I know you, you caught up with it this week. And the option is there for people to catch up with it now on YouTube, and definitely would would recommend it. Get a real sense of the the potential, the potential of the place. But um,
1: yeah. Fast fascinating uh, fixture list this week. To draw the a go on. on Friday. Pat's Longford. They're both early games. Bohemians, Derry. I'll be at that game. Uh, Finn Harps, Shamrocks, Waterford, and Dock. They're all seven forty-five. Um, first division as well Galway United making the trip to Cove on Saturday that is the Saturday game Um, prior to that it's Bray Cork uh, two teams really struggling compared to where maybe people would have thought they would be early days obviously Wexford UCD high flying at loan against Cavantilly and Shelburne against uh, Treaty which is going to be a fascinating game as well Dan
2: yes and then there's a Monday round of fixtures too in the Premier we should mention so on Monday we've got Shamrock Rovers-Waterford 2 o'clock draw the bows 2 o'clock and then five forty-five got Sligo Rovers and Pats long for on dock, and then seven forty-five derry Finn Harps. So there is the potential there for someone to do a what an eight-hour bank holiday binge of games if they if they so wish. But you know there, there's three different kickoff times for those games. So um yeah, there we go
1: that's our lot for the week. Thanks very much to the three lads uh, for coming on and um, hopefully we'll have a, a cracking weekend of fixtures again. It's, it's, it's been nothing but compelling so far. Uh, thanks again to uh, futureticketing.ie for being the sponsor of this podcast, LOI Central. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week, Dan. Lovely.